This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Sexual harassment may seem like an adult issue, but it's happening with middle school children, too. We've got an interview every parent should hear. We were doing an interview and we're talking about sexual harassment, and a seventh grade girl said, well, I feel really uncomfortable when I have to play the nervous game. And we're like, what's the nervous game? And she tells us. Then, millions of families are feeling the financial squeeze. How many are living paycheck to paycheck? The answer may surprise you. We were trying to measure how many households, basically at the end of a pay period, didn't have much liquid assets left over. They were using all of their income to meet current spending needs and not saving very much. Those two stories and much more are coming your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stick around. Our show begins right after this. InfoTrack. The weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Does sexual harassment seem like something that 10 to 12-year-olds would have to deal with? InfoTrack's Roy Mackey has an eye-opening interview every parent should hear. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Dorothy Espelage is a professor of educational psychology at the University of Illinois and the co-author of this study that examines sexual violence and sexual harassment in middle schools. So tell us a little bit about what you were studying. Yes, we were quite interested in understanding the extent to which kids engaged in sexual harassment in middle school. And everyone should know that in middle school we're talking about 10 to 12-year-olds, right? And so we're not talking about sexual assault, but we do know that there's precursors to that. So we're interested in the extent to which kids perpetrated or were targets of unwanted sexual commentary or rumor spreading or the use of homophobic language. And so there's very little research, maybe even only one paper written on this population, which is the young early adolescent population. We know that sexual harassment is quite prevalent in high school, but where are the origins? Does it actually start prior to high school? One of the problems is that it seems like every person you ask may have a slightly different definition of what that is. Yeah, I think that, you know, most of us wouldn't think that, you know, when we talk about sexual harassment or sexual violence, people conjure up different kind of ideas. When you say sexual violence, you think of sexual assault and rape. And certainly, and fortunately, that's not happening in middle schools. But when we think about sexual harassment, I mean, there is a Supreme Court definition of sexual harassment, that it's unwanted sexual commentary or touching. And indeed, we found that that was happening in the middle schools, that a high percentage of the kids were saying that they had been targets of this type of sexual harassment. A lot of sexual commentary, a lot of rumor spreading, a lot of spreading rumors about someone supposedly being gay or what types of sexual activities they did with other youth. And alarmingly, we found high rates of kids saying that they had been inappropriately touched and cornered in a sexual way. Would it be a correct assumption that boys are always the perpetrators or almost always? No, when we break it down, there's quite a difference that emerges. So boys and girls equally exchange unwanted sexual commentary and sexual rumor spreading. When we get up to what we would call more sexual coercion, whether that's in a dating relationship or if it's just getting closer to that rape or sexual assault, inappropriate touching, we do see that the boys do that more than girls. 
But when we're talking about the most prevalent of the sexual commentary and rumor spreading, you know, that could be equally delivered and received by boys and girls. But we want to make it very clear that when we start looking at sexual assault and rape, that overwhelmingly this is happening in a small percentage. When it does happen, the girls are the victims or the targets and the boys are the perpetrators. Do you believe that this is a new trend or has this always been a part of the middle school environment? It's very difficult to know whether our findings are a new finding or if, in fact, we just haven't studied this population. You can imagine it's very challenging to get permission from parents and school districts to come in and ask these kids these questions. So right out of the gate, we know that there's very little research, and that's mostly because what principal wants you coming in and asking kids if there's unwanted sexual commentary and have they been touched inappropriately. Even our team that studies sexual violence and tries to prevent this was quite surprised at the level of how often this was happening, and we were also quite surprised, we had no date on this, that a lot of this was happening in the classrooms, right? You expect that this is happening in, you know, in the hallways, during passing periods, or in recess, or cafeteria, where there's less supervision. But in the classroom, where we supposedly have some level of supervision, now I don't want to put this all on the teachers, because certainly kids can engage in discussions and touch each other when the teacher turns around to the whiteboard. So, but I think that's where we were very surprised that it's happening in what's supposed to be a safe space of a classroom. Was there anything else that particularly surprised you? You know, this is part of our larger research. And so, you know, sexual harassment doesn't happen in isolation, right? Our other research has shown that there's a real what we call causal link. So kids in fifth and sixth grade are engaging in what we call garden variety teasing and bullying, right? So they'll make fun of somebody for being overweight or being odd or just not being the popular group. Well, that then leads to what is a precursor to sexual harassment, and that's the use of homophobic language. So kids will call each other homophobic slurs. And then that, in this larger study, then predicts the sexual harassment that we've been talking about, the inappropriate sexual commentary and the inappropriate touching. And what's probably the most depressing in this study is that it goes on to predict teen dating violence in high school. And so the message really is that we have to think about aggression and bullying from a developmental lens, and that becomes more nuanced as kids think about their gender identity, and then perhaps boys aren't acting like boys and girls aren't acting like girls, and then they attack that. And one way to demonstrate that you're a manly boy in middle school is to publicly sexual harass someone. And then all of these things have this power dynamic. So when kids start dating, they may not have learned those negotiation skills when there's conflicts, and that power dynamic then spills over into the dating relationship. So we want to pay attention to bullying because it's a precursor to sexual harassment, which is a precursor to teen dating violence and our rigorous studies, which shows that we really have to have prevention programs that are going to target these different types of nuances as we think about aggression and bullying. Our guest on InfoTrack is Dorothy Espelage, a professor of educational psychology at the University of Illinois, and we're discussing a study that she co-authored that examines sexual violence and sexual harassment in middle schools. Dorothy, if you were put in charge of things, what more would schools do to address this problem? Because current policies apparently are not enough. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we're failing miserably when we look at kind of the basic data saying that kids are engaging in these unwanted sexual commentary, they're using homophobic language. And I can tell you, I have been put in charge, and the federal government Centers for Disease Control has given me a grant to do just this, to reduce the sexual harassment. And while we're starting to do that, what we're going to need to do is to start having conversations about gender identity and how boys talk to girls and how girls are dismissive of this behavior because we don't talk to them about sexual harassment. And there's 
there's a huge pushback in the schools because what they hear is you want to talk about promoting an alternative sexual orientation. I was like, no, I actually just want to be able for kids to talk about, you know, their gender and how they see themselves and be able to express their gender. I mean, when I was growing up, you could be a girl that, you know, was a tomboy and that wasn't attacked. So you could be athletic and you didn't have to wear the makeup. Now we have hyper feminized girls and then we have boys that have to hold on to this traditional masculinity and be stoic. And that's where we see the symptoms of those kind of issues are then sexual harassment, teen dating violence, and ultimately intimate partner violence. Now, the reality is the schools have a legal obligation to address sexual harassment. It's in Title IX, and the Civil Rights Office of Civil Rights Department and Ed wrote principals and superintendents in this country and said, you have to follow Title IX and talk to kids and your teachers around sexual harassment. And when sexual harassment is happening, you need to intervene, or we're going to come in and investigate. So it's not that the schools should be or could be if they have to. Like they're literally not following sexual harassment legislation, and that's a problem. This topic is particularly distressing to me because I have two kids, a daughter and a son, both in middle school. What should parents be telling their kids these days? Open the conversation. Talk to your kids. Show them any of the news releases when people are talking about middle school kids, talking about you know, sexual harassment, have a conversation intellectually with them and ask them about their experiences. And what you will learn is some of the unbelievable things. In the same study, we uncovered what's called, and this should make you really distressed, what's called the nervous game. And the nervous game is a game that middle school kids play together with boys and girls, mixed groups. And that's where somebody is a target and they stand around and someone takes their hand and says, are you nervous? Are you nervous? Are you nervous yet? Until they get closer and closer and closer to their private parts. And we didn't know this, right, because kids just develop their own kind of ways of communicating and playing games. We were doing an interview and we were talking about sexual harassment, and a seventh-grade girl said, well, I feel really uncomfortable when I have to play the nervous game. And we're like, what's the nervous game? And she tells us. By the end of the conversation, it was very clear that it was unwanted, it caused her distress, and she changed her behavior because of it. That fits the definition of sexual harassment. So what do parents need to do? You need to know what your kids are doing in schools, and any newsworthy thing have a conversation with them about what happens at their school or what they see. So oftentimes they don't want to talk about their own experiences, but they might talk about a friend's experience or what they see in the hallway. You have to have this conversation if we're going to break this kind of intergenerational and this developmental increase in escalation of violence. Important information. Professor Dorothy Espelage, Professor of Educational Psychology at the University of Illinois. Is there any place online where you recommend resources for parents? For parents, go to groundspark.org, and then, of course, the national website of stopbullying.gov gives parents great resources of how to have conversations with their kids around bullying and sexual violence. Well, thank you very much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Thank you for having me. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, how many Americans are living paycheck to paycheck? The answer may surprise you. Coming up. Don't go away. InfoTrack will be back right after this.